Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I'm here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Man, it is so good to be back in the studio. Oh, man, amen Feeling much that. better. That's Thank good. You. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, he was down with a cold last week, and... Uh, he is all better now, which is good. It was not the coronavirus. That was fake news. No, I, I tell you what, though, being a pastor and uh, a husband and father of my children, I was able to go to the doctor's office outside and do a swab, and the uh, it came back negative. The oh, coronavirus came back praise negative. God. So you look at me kind of funny, like you want to just pull away from me, but yeah. uh, I do not have the coronavirus. Came yeah, I was back scooting negative. a little further over on the other side Amen. of the studio, you know, our illustrious studio. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> So I'm good to go, everyone. You know, sometimes you you know they talk about the cold and flu season and this and that. And I know I I felt a little run down, had a little bit of a fever and some congestion in my chest, but um, I recovered after after two weeks. I was good to go. So uh, you know what's cool about God, you know about your it, immune it, system? You know, it's it's reality. It is. You know what's cool about your immune system? It's it's see because the spiritual and the natural they mirror each other, right? And so the best thing you can do for yourself when it comes to the coronavirus or any virus or cold and flu season or anything else is be healthy, right? Eat, nah, that's true. Eat that's your true. greens. Absolutely. Take your vitamins. I know. You know and I, mean? I was doing all of that and going Don't to the eat a gym, bunch of sugar. Stay away from, you know, a lot of alcohol. And well, I haven't stuff been like to that. the gym in six weeks, so I think it kind of took its toll on Exercise, me. all that. Couldn't get rid of stress. Because the number one problem is when your immune system is like, you don't have any clue how much stuff hits you on a regular basis. But guess what? It's the same thing from a spiritual standpoint, right? The best thing you can do is be in God's word. It's true. So that when things come at you, you know what I mean? You already have on it's the armor true. of God. Amen. All right. So. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me uh, or Pastor Nick, we would love to hear from you. We know you guys are listening. Uh, one of the cool things about the coronavirus uh, pandemic time period is that our listens have almost doubled, man. We have just had so many folks from around the world listening into the podcast. We're so grateful for you guys listening in. And, uh, you know, we're working to make Torah great again. Uh, this podcast has always been about, you know, just kind of taking the veil away from, you know, the mystery around the Torah and just presenting it in its most simplistic form to Christians around the world, believers in Yeshua. Why? Because King David in the Psalms, Solomon, Moses, all through the Bible, Yeshua himself, Everyone talks about how awesome the Torah is, and then somewhere along the way, we got this idea that the Torah is bondage. And we are smack dab in the middle of the Torah right now in the book of Leviticus, and today we have a double portion for you. We're going to start with Akarimot, which uh, means after the death. This Torah portion is in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 1 and ending in 18 and verse 30. And then our second Torah portion today is Kedoshim, which means holy people. And this is in the book of Leviticus as well, chapter 19 and verse 1 through chapter 20 and verse 27. A lot of good stuff in here today, guys. Absolutely. And once again, the uh, the theme of the book of Leviticus is you shall be holy. So think about this incredible book. Uh, to the left, you've got Genesis, Exodus, then you have Leviticus, which is like the meat of the sandwich, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then, of course, to the right, you have uh, the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. So Leviticus is actually the heart of the Torah, the center of the Torah. And here I am, and stuck in Leviticus with you. That's right, stuck in Leviticus with you. Now, what's cool about the book of Leviticus is you can break it up into two parts. Basically, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. Now, remember, we're studying spiritual laws and principles here. So don't be bored. Don't think it's humdrum or whatever. Uh, this is powerful stuff, you know. And of course, what we have here, uh, and of course, this particular book starts with consecration and it ends with consecration. So what are you saying, Pastor? Now think about it. If this tabernacle is fully operational as far as a material you know, place, it's a, it's a material, it's a, it's, it's, it's a tent, it has a wall, it has six pieces of furniture, it has three compartments, but now... 
you're going to insert the priesthood in there. Yeah. So it's all about the priesthood, you know? So, wow, if, 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 if I want to be a priest, what's required of me, you know? And, and of course, we know that throughout the scriptures, uh, all the believers are, are actually uh, titled kings and priests. So, so with that, we're going to jump right into, we're still on our, we're, we're, we're on our way to God. And, of course, in chapter 16, we're getting right into the Day of Atonement. It says here in Leviticus 16, 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Now, a quick review here. Uh, Nadab and Abihu passed away. Uh, and if you go back and study those, those two sons of Aaron, they were actually at the marriage feast after the uh, covenant of, of, of marriage and giving of the Torah. They were actually there eating with God, it says, in his presence. Whatever theophany that could be, it says no one has seen the face of God and lived. But it does say, and I'm not giving you the, the address because I know it's there, but, but they all had a meal after the giving of the covenant. God's the greater vessel and we're the lesser vessel or the weaker vessel. He's the stronger vessel. Uh, so they got to experience God. And the, so what happened is, they didn't follow protocol. And two of the things that stand out in Nadab and Abihu's death is, one, they offered up strange fire. So believe it or not, they didn't take fire from the altar uh, in regards to the operation of, of fire itself. Uh, matter of fact, if you want to light the menorah, the, the fire has to come from the altar. Right. If you want to light incense, altar of incense, the fire has to come from the altar. And of course, what is the f fire doing in the altar? It's burning continually. You know, we all get born again at certain time periods. You know, mine was late in the evening uh, after sundown I, in March of 92. I remember that it was dark out. It was evening and I came to know the Lord. But we all come to the altar at a certain time to give our life to the Lord and to be saved and born again. Uh, and I only bring up Nadab and Abihu because once again, they didn't follow protocol. And we could all be made an example. So number one, they offered up strange fire. Number two, uh, alcohol was involved. He says, don't have strong drink. When you work the tabernacle, you know, it's not time for happy hour. You know, church is not happy hour. So once again, those are two things that we have discovered uh, in regards to Nadab and Abihu. But we're going to move on here. So uh, Aaron, the high priest, he could only go into the holy place um, one time a year, once a year. He couldn't just go in there at any time. And that's, that's a great, great thing to think about. Now, why is he sharing that right out of the gate? Because, you know, if he wanted to just go in there at any time, he, he probably would have died. Yeah. Think about what Adam was told. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It, the day that you do, you will die. And what did he do? He ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with his wife. It's that woman and, you gave uh, me, Lord. Yeah. And then what happens? Uh, now we have sickness and death in the world. Now, yeah. once again, the priesthood is not above reproach. Aaron had to bring a sin offering, a bullock and a burnt offering, which is a ram for him and his sons on this day of atonement. Uh, Aaron was commanded to wear special garments for the day of atonement, uh, which would be, of course, he would be like an all in white, you know, on the day of atonement, we like to wear all white. Uh, now there's the priesthood giving up their, their offerings, which is of course compulsory, but the children of Israel had to bring a sin offering uh, and a burnt offering. What did it consist of? Well, Two kids of the goats for a sin offering and a ram, one ram for a burnt offering. So the burnt offering is totally consumed. That's voluntary. But once again, but their, but their sin offering was compulsory. And of course, uh, the question is, what was Aaron to do in order to determine which goat was the sin offering? He casted lots. He had to cast lots. Yep. Okay. Yep. Roll the and dice. so here on the Day of Atonement, we have two goats, not sheep, by the way, two goats, and of course, um, the the other goat uh, was called the scapegoat, and it was sent into the wilderness. Which I'll tell you what I you know this is one of those things where I've I've probably lacked and study on is the casting of lots and oh, really? and those types of things. And so uh, one of the things that I, I find interesting is is this casting of lots. I understand you know that that this is a I understand what casting of lots is, but uh, obviously this is not you know. I shouldn't be like, oh, do I go to Publix or do I go to Walmart for my groceries? Oh, let me roll the dice. Okay, if it lands on this, then it's Publix. If it lands on this, then it's, it's Walmart, right? I don't live my life in that manner to where I'm casting lots for every decision that we make. 
Um, and so I'd be interested to know if anybody that listens to our podcast has done any in-depth study on it, email me. Um, you know, we have some resources here that we've gone over, but, you know, I've, I've read them and, and, and all that, but I'm just interested to know what, what resources or what thoughts you guys have on the casting of lots as a little side note. And there's a Urim and Thummim. You know? Oh, absolutely. In, so, so that will give you a, under an, the indication, an indication. So, what, what, you know, this isn't a game of chance. I mean, you're actually casting lots. Remember, they, they, they drew straws, I guess, or, or they, they cast lots for, uh, you know, uh, for Judas's position That's as right. a disciple. Judas Iscariot. They had to, uh, to pick which disciple would take his place. So you had to draw straws. Which we've always said, right, that I was going to get that position because that wasn't, like, it's a story that's told about how it happened, but it wasn't really, you know... Right. Sanctioned. It wasn't a sanctioned choice, right? No, but if you think to draw straws, I mean, you think about it, you, you basically have it in your hand, right? Yeah. And one's longer than the other, and you fold your hand up, and you got to pick the straw. Whoever gets the longer straw, yeah, that's, that's or, the or decision. Or the short straw, yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is something else I want to share with all of you. This is very interesting. We don't believe in luck or chance. Right. You know, we, we, we believe in divine appointments. And, Correct. And, 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 and I know I've read this before, and I'll, and I'll find it, but... When Nebuchadnezzar was going towards Israel, he, he actually cut open the, the, uh, the guts of an animal, and they, they divine through the liver and the, and the body parts of the inside of the animal. And it actually says it in, in, in the Bible, it talks about that God designed that for them to pick Jerusalem. He was going to go to another area, another country and attack. But God actually moved the organs and did something with the, those, those body parts or those inside guts of the animal that Nebuchadnezzar would choose to come against Jerusalem. So see, God's sovereign, everyone. This is yeah. what I'm saying. We think it's chance, it's this, it's that. No, God is sovereign. You know, he, he, he knows what he's doing, you know. Well, and this <laughs> I mean, is, think of it. President Trump is the president. Yes, he is. You know, I mean, that is a I'm fact. just saying that all the polls, this and that. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that maybe people weren't honest about their vote, but, but it doesn't matter what, what they call it. Uh, what do they call that? I forget what they call it. It's some kind of a, a term that you use, the, the silent majority or something. Oh, right, 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 right. But anyway, um, and here we are. Well, and a lot of people voted in the last election that don't normally vote, and you had a lot of people that stayed home right. that so, normally vote. So here, here's the thing. I want you guys to understand something. Boy, I tell you, I hope we have enough time for this podcast because the, the yeah. Day of Atonement <laughs> is off the charts, everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say this. If it wasn't for the Golden Calf incident, we wouldn't have the Day of Atonement. You wouldn't need it. Mm. And what happened is uh, when, you, when you look at the Golden Calf incident or the Day of Atonement, even now, remember there's two goats. Yeah. So, so one goat is offered up for the sanctuary, for the place. Right. The other one, all the sins of the people were placed upon it, and it was sent out into the wilderness. So think about the earth today, everyone. The enemy wants to contaminate places and people. Right. So here we have these two goats. But Aaron had in his hand sweet incense that was finally beaten and brought within the veil. So this is a one-day event. We're developing this storyline uh, throughout the chapter. We're not really giving you any other input except for the we're flowing through this chapter itself and uh i'm gonna have ryan read leviticus 16 verses 14 and 15 in regards to these sacrifices and everything what took place on this day yep and it says and he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat. So, so check this out. I mean, so Aaron at the mercy seat took the blood of the bullock and sprinkled it with his finger eastward seven times, and the blood of the goat was done in the same manner. Okay. Now Leviticus sixteen sixteen. Ryan, go ahead and read that because we, we just talked about that the. The, the place had to have atonement, the tabernacle, the whole campsite. So read Leviticus 16, 16. Yep, and it says here, uh, And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So see, it's this whole uncleanness thing because God is a clean God. Um and so, you know, atonement was made not only for the people, but for the tabernacle as well. And, and, and how is that applicable today, Ryan? How is that apl applicable today for, 
for a place to be clean and for people to be clean or to have atonement. Well, and the, the clean and unclean, and, and here we're talking about, you know, and we talked about this in last week's podcast being, you know, to, um, to me and Tahara, um, as far as the words for clean and unclean, not necessarily meaning clean and dirty, uh, but set apart and, and common. And, and in this case, this is the most holy place in the whole world. And so what they're doing here by making an atonement for it is they're setting it apart because of the people that have come in or done things that were common or brought commonness into it or defiled it in some way, shape, or form in order to, once a year, uh, set this place apart and make atonement for all of those things. And it actually means at one met. Right. So, so if you stop and think about this, Ryan, and I, and I reiterate this, if you count the Sabbath plus all the feast days, there's eight. Right. And eight means new beginnings. Mm-hmm. But if you were to take out the Day of Atonement, it's you would completion. have seven. Yeah feast days, which means completion. This is just food for thought. This is just for something for all of you to consider and think about. And it's also about corporate forgiveness, okay? Mm -hmm. Remember that. It is also about corporate forgiveness. Now, no man was allowed in the tabernacle of the congregation when Aaron made atonement in the holy place, okay? No man was allowed in the tabernacle of the congregation when Aaron made atonement in the holy place. So think about all these priests shuffling around, doing all these activities and things, working their departments, whatever it is, uh, servicing the menorah, changing out the bread. No, he went into the east gate, and he went in alone. He was the mediator, and he goes in. And the blood of the bullock and the goat, or the sin offering for Aaron and the people, was applied to the horns of the altar to make atonement for it. So as we get into this, Ryan, we're always asking ourselves, where is our sacrifice? You know, the sacrificial system. And so here's a good question. What was confessed over the scapegoat? So one goat is going to be offered up for the place, the tabernacle. This next goat, what was confessed over the scapegoat? This is going to be all the iniquities of the children of Israel. All the iniquities. Once you continue on in that thought and, and actually what takes place after that. So, um, okay, so, so all of the iniquities of the children of Israel are spoken and confessed over this. So they put their hands on it. So you, you, a lot of times you'll see that, that image of the priest placing their right. hands on the head of the, the goat, and they confess the iniquities uh, of the children of Israel over the scapegoat. And then what happens next? Well, they send it off into an uninhabited place. So the priest will take it away and send it into an uninhabited place, and then there's, you know, there's thoughts that, you know, hey, it would wander back into camp. You know, and so what they would have to do is they'd actually push it off a cliff or something so that it wasn't going to come back into the, into the camp. And so uh, the person who let the scapegoat go in the wilderness um, would have to wash his clothes and bathe his flesh before he could come back into the camp in order to, um, to, come, in order to, to be clean to come back in because of this, you know, this process, taking out the dirty laundry, taking all the sin you out. Know, it's, and, it's interesting. We're discussing the Day of Atonement. In, in Leviticus 16, and this is the way to God. That's right. Once we acknowledge his atonement, his procedure, right? you know, it makes sense. Yeah. And that's what really separates us. It's actually, you know, working with God, not going against God. Yeah. And understanding this so that it play out, plays out actually in our life, you know. Right. And of course, the Day of Atonement, it falls in the seventh month on the tenth day in the evening, and no work should be done. You know, it's a very solemn day. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I would say, uh, based upon the, you know, fasting, you don't eat or drink on that day. Yeah. For 24 hours. So, so the thing is, it's kind of interesting because it's about corporate forgiveness, Ryan. That's what the Day of Atonement is all about. Right. It's all about, it's all about, it's all about corporate forgiveness. You know, what, you know, Beit Tehillah comes together and say, Lord, we have sinned. Corporately, we have dropped, you know, we, we've dropped the ball. You know, we, we've, we've not done what we needed to do. So check out uh, Leviticus 16.34, Ryan. All right, so here in uh, Leviticus 16.34, it says, And this shall be an everlasting statue unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, here's what's interesting. Um... This is one of those things that, that I, th- I think you know, a lot of people stumble over. Does everlasting really mean everlasting? And the word here that's translated as everlasting, you may recognize it's the word olam. It's uh, Strong's number 5769. And the word olam, you normally think of when you think of, you know, Lev HaOlam, if you guys are familiar with Nadi Ram's ministry, the heart of the earth or the heart of the universe, you know, being Israel. 
Um, but the word olam means forever. It can mean ancient, meaning, you know, time, you know, long time ago. It can mean world or it can mean universe. And, and here's the point. When God makes a statue and then he says it's everlasting, these Hebrew words, sometimes they mean more than just forever. It means that it's not just forever, but it's forever for the whole earth. That the Day of Atonement is atoning for the sins of all of Israel and all of the world. And that's what's great, because here's the question, right? We look at the Day of Atonement and we think today, well, hey, listen, Yeshua died on the cross for us. So why is it better to have Yeshua, the Son of God, as our high priest than an earthly one? And there's several reasons for it, but I'll give you just a few, right? So number one, he is faithful. Yeshua was sinless. So not only, so there's no high priest on the earth that never sinned. There never was one and there never will be other than Yeshua. He was faithful. He was sinless. And so with that, he is ultra qualified to be a high priest and to help Cohen into the holy place to make atonement for us. Not only that, Hebrews. Yeah. And so here's the question. And Ryan's going to read Hebrews. Uh-huh. Why is it better to have Yeshua the Son of God as our high priest than an earthly one, Ryan. So share those references. Yeah, I mean, I did just ask them that question. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So It's my first day back. I know it is, I know. So Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 goes through uh, talking about how Yeshua is better than Moses. And then... Here, I'm going to turn to Hebrews. Let me, let me Hebrews go Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and then also the, the, the other reference too, Ryan. Yep. This is really good. Yep, yep, yep. It's all about a person, people. So let me, let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And so we're comparing uh, Yeshua to Moses. Um, you know, but, you know, it's interesting. We have verses one and two as our, our reference, but verse three goes on to say, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. Amen. That's good. It is because in other words, it's saying here, who is the author of the Torah? Yeshua. Right. Obviously, Moses was the teacher of the Torah, the, the conveyor of the Torah, the scribe of the Torah originally. But Yeshua is the author of the Torah. And we jump over to uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And here it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin." Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we're talking about, you know, Yeshua being the high priest in the heavenly tabernacle, which is obviously what the earthly tabernacle was a picture of. And so why is Yeshua a better mediator, a better high priest? Well, other than the fact that he is God, right? And he set up the whole system. And so he's the perfect one to do it. But he knows heaven and he knows earth, right? Because he was tempted as we were. He, he you know, felt the infirmities of the flesh just like we do. So he has empathy for us, but he's also uh, has the heavenly perspective at the same time. So he has that balance to mediate between the two. That's awesome. Uh, you know, as we begin to actually move on to... Uh Chapter 17. Yeah, chapter 17. I, I want to give you some interesting facts about Yom Kippur real quick here. Uh, the high priest dressed all in white, uh, number one. Number two, only time the name of Hashem was spoken aloud. A lot of debate about the sacred name and God's name, but, oh, but yeah. what did Yeshua say? Call him Abba. Abba. Number three, the year of Jubilee was announced on this feast. Number four, it's the only feast day that you fast. Hmm. Number five, only time the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies. Imagine that. So once that curtain was shut, that ark just sat in there. And of course, number six, it's the sixth feast, which is the number of man. It's the sixth feast. Uh, of course, the fall feasts are Yom Teruah, trumpets, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then of course, uh, tabernacles or Sukkot. Uh, I think this is interesting. In Isaiah fifty-two fifteen, a reference to concluding this particular subject matter. It says, thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him for what had not been told them they will see and what they had not heard, they will 
understand, you know. And so once again, the Day of Atonement is about corporate forgiveness. And of course, uh, that's very important for us to even come to understand. So we're going to get into chapter uh, 17. Uh, once again, we are what? It's, it's our way to God. And of course, we have here, uh, blood is sacred. Uh, blood is sacred in this particular chapter. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Why? Because it's the last chapter as we experience the way to God before we go into the walk with God. So, Ryan, what would happen to the person who did not bring his sacrifice to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation? Yikes. That person would be cut off from his people. Wow. And uh, once again, uh, blood is not allowed to be eaten. I know Oof. I talked with uh, Mrs. Campbell and she was talking to me. She's from England, and we talked about blood pudding. Now, I've never had that, but anyway, it's something to do with, with blood. But but uh, blood was not allowed to be eaten. And uh, I'm going to have Ryan uh, read Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. This is a nugget. This is a powerful principle. This is a powerful verse. And uh, matter of fact, I'm, I think I need to highlight that. one. And Ryan's going to read it. Yeah, absolutely. So here it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Wow. So it, it's a powerful verse. You know, I was thinking about Leviticus, and, and, and maybe, maybe this will— I hope you think about it a lot more. I do, I do. I think about it enough, for sure. You know how I feel about it. I do. So I was thinking about Leviticus, and maybe it's not the most— um, tantalizing book in the Bible, right? Meaning, oh, I just a page turner. I, I just can't help it. I just have to read the next page. Oh, there's another. Uh, what is the it? The call. Yeah. What's the call? <laughs> the call about the liver, right? The liver. <laughs> so, but what it is is it's an instruction manual, right? It's very detailed. And so uh, I was putting together. Uh, you know, you ever put together a bike, right? That comes out of a box, or you ever put together something from IKEA? Boy, if you don't have the instructions, forget about it right? You're, it's tough. You're going to have pieces left over. You're going to mess something up. You're going to put something on backwards. You're going to take the whole thing apart, put it back on. All I'm saying is that you can save yourself all that trouble by going to Leviticus and reading it. And so what you find in here are principles that then radiate through the rest of the Bible, right? So in this case, it's for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. We find this in Matthew 26, 28 where Yeshua is doing communion with his disciples, and he says, this is the blood of the new covenant, right? Or of the renewed covenant. And then in uh, Romans 3, uh, 25, Paul talks about how Yeshua, through his blood, gave us a propitiation, that it wasn't our blood that had to be spilled, because while we deserved death for those sins, we were then able to not have to do that. So he took our place as our propitiation, then Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, talks about how we have redemption through his blood. Colossians 1, 14 almost says the same thing. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And you jump to verse 20 in Colossians 1, it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Is that chapter 1, verse 20? Yes, it is. Uh, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So again, we just talked about him being a better high priest because he's the high priest of heaven and of earth. And so here it shows that his blood was a better sacrifice because he's a heavenly being. So this is the way to God, Ryan. Oh, man. What did Yeshua say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're right here on the cusp. We're in chapter 17. And it makes sense. Oh, man. It makes sense. And I want to read Hebrews 9.22 because this is the cross-reference for Leviticus 17.11. Uh, as far as blood is sacred. Here, here it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Right. So it's like the hymn, What can wash away my sins? Right. Well, and this is this is a, one of the... You're supposed to respond to that. I am. Well, but this is... What can... Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you. I'll tell you, that's the key. Amen. That's the key. Well, it is the key, and it's important because this is a real big sticking point. You know, there's a lot of people out there called anti-missionaries, or people that you'll see that'll leave the faith of Yeshua. And somewhere, somebody comes and convinces them that there is no sacrifice for intentional sin, so you just repent, and that's it. Hogwash. Hogwash. That's unclean hogwash. Read the Bible. Read it. 
Read what it says. It says it right here. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make a what? An atonement. An atonement for what? For your soul. No blood, no atonement. Your soul it's, is it's in God's danger. It's protocol. Period. End of story. And he puts it together, and then look, you go and you read it all through the New Testament, how it references this verse, 1711. Look, there's even more, right? I got into uh, all the way up to uh, Colossians uh, 1.14 and, and verse 20, and then he reads, hey, look, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. This is just a repeat of what we're reading here. So if you were wondering what he was saying when he says, hey, I'm using this to make an atonement for you, and then you go to the New Testament, it says, hey, oh, by the way, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. All they're doing is referencing this. And even, listen, even if you're Jewish or you're on the fence about Yeshua, and you're wondering about the principles of the Torah, and you're looking at this and you're saying, well, wait a second, I've always heard this or that or this explanation or that explanation. These, this book is written by Jews. Paul was a Pharisee in the first century, 2,000 years ago. No offense to every brilliant rabbi today, but Paul is the brilliant of the brilliant of the brilliant when it comes to rabbis. That's right. And he's closer to the source, okay? And he's telling you, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And, and people try to think that there's another way. And, 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 and this Amen. is the thing about as Christians, we need to respect Judaism, because everyone has to make that personal decision for Christ. Right. But that doesn't mean that we can't still have reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. We should still always respect Judaism and, and the choice that people make. And, and I, I just want to move on here because, because we've got so much to, to, to share. And, and we know that uh, time is of the essence. But once again, just something to consider. Think about it. So now we're going to switch some gears. Mm. And uh, we're going to actually get into the walk with God. And I love this. Because the title actually says, uh, Forbidden Sexual Practices. Okay. Um, my, my, little, forbidden, my little notes say improper relations. I like that better. It's more diplomatic. Forbidden Sexual Practices. But I am going to have Ryan read uh, verses 1 through 6, Improper Relations. Yeah. So we're not going to get into some heavy detail. But, but once again, you could also title this chapter, Secret Sins. That's right. And, and this is going to be relevant as we, as we close out this particular portion and go to the next one. But I want Ryan just to read verses 1 through 6 uh, in chapter 18. All right, and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments, and keep mine ordinances, to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man uh, do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Wow, look at that. And, and to even uncover somebody's nakedness, how much dirt are people pulling up on each other? Yeah, this is in, an in, idiom, in obviously. This is well, like, no, because here's the thing, yeah. you know. Uh, and it goes on to talk about some other things, but the Lord prohibits incest. Oh, yeah. Uh, you could not lay with a woman that was unclean. Right. That's the menstrual cycle. Like right. your, your, your wife has this menstrual cycle, and she's bleeding. She's unclean. She's in a state of uncleanness right. because that's the, the cleansing, and, and you're, you're not to have intimate relations during that time. But once again, these are all principles, everybody. And, of course, the Lord prohibits human sacrifice. And uh, in Leviticus 18.22, if you could read that, Ryan, uh, we're just touching on a few things here. And what the Bible says. Oh, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. So once again, this is about unnatural love. So sin is sin. Okay. We believe that a marriage is de defined between a man and a woman. Uh, you know, do we respect people's free will and everything? Absolutely. You, you could even call two men and two women a civil union, whatever you want to call it. But according to the Bible, a marriage is between a man and a woman. Okay. So we're not here to, to bash the LGBTQ people okay we're just simply sharing with you what god's word says right you know uh it's kind of interesting if you if you follow the natural selection of life or natural process of life and how it reproduces it takes a male and a female uh, yes so the natural if, if you were a, a homosexual or a lesbian and you were you were going to continue in that state of mind you would die off because you'd have to go back to the natural selection of the natural process of life 
to have the opposite sex to create life. Right. So just something to think about. Even nature teaches us what is right and what is wrong. So once again, uh, these are secret sins, things done behind closed doors. And, and, and I want to share this with all of you as we move on here. But God doesn't want you to continue in your secret sin. So if you're struggling, confess your sin, get some help, get to look, figure it out. Let's yeah. just say you go three months and you didn't do that sin. Man, what a praise report. Amen. Or you could be totally free. Don't get me wrong, everyone. I'm going to tell you right now. The Bible says, though, a righteous man falls seven times, he can still get up. So I want to encourage you in, in, in your secret sin or habitual sin. Don't condone it. Don't coddle it. Don't accept it. Rebuke it. Come against it. Amen. And, and, and position yourself in a, in a better way, you know. I mean, think about this. This is so incredible. In Leviticus 18.25, it says, look at this. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. That's in, in Leviticus 18.25. And as we look at Leviticus, uh, let's see, uh, let, let's, let's close out this particular portion of Scripture, because you can go back and look at it for yourself. Like I said, get rid of the secret sins. If you're struggling with God and you're wondering, where has he gone? What's, what's happening? If you have secret sin, you have to deal with it if you want to walk with God. So right. I'm going to have Ryan close this out, verses 29 and 30 of the secret sin chapter. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Paul <laughs> references these verses, uh, at least in, in concept, when, he when he's talking about managing the church. But it wow. says here, For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. And so wow. he does. Paul talks about, you know, that, that sexual sin is one of those things that it can be like a cancer because it always involves two people, and then you can involve more people, and then it, you know, just spreads. And that's what kept spreads. some of the children of Israel out of the promised land. Absolutely. They were at the gate to the land, Oof. and what happened? They committed sexual immorality, which turned into what? Idolatry. I know. And they were so close. So maybe that's what God is doing in the earth today. He's dealing with sexual immorality, and then your idolatry. Yep. He's shutting everything down. Now you're quarantined. Yep. You know, so so we're going to move on here. We're, 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 hey, we're walking with God. We're in chapter 19, and I'm going to let uh, Ryan kind of do this little intro for us and get us going here. This is Kedeshim, holy people. This is Leviticus uh, chapter 19 and verse 1, all the way through chapter 20, verse 27. Double portion. Here we go. Take it over, Ryan. Yep. So, you know, the children of Israel are to be God's representative in the earth. And so it starts off here um, in verses one and two. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So why did he want us to be holy? Why did he want the children of Israel to be holy? Because he is holy. And we are in partnership with him in order to spread his message and his love and his presence throughout the whole world. Um, it goes on and says uh, that you shall fear your mother and father. Obviously, that doesn't mean to be afraid. This means to be reverential to your family. Uh, it says keep the Lord's Sabbaths, his Shabbats, and uh, do, not, uh, do not make or have idols, right? So if, if you stop right there, Ryan, that is so powerful. And, and this is something that I'm finding myself doing now. Now, we, we just discussed that here we have the way to God, and we feel good about it. And, and, and we go into chapter 18, and we're like, oh, man, I'm making my way to God, but I'm struggling. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to acknowledge this, and I'm going to get help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this thing, you know, by the grace of God and by the power of his Holy Spirit, counseling, whatever you need to do. But check it out, Ryan. He says, okay, you've done that. Now we're in 19. He says, come on, man, be holy. Be holy. Then he says, hey, honor your mom and dad. How many, how many relationships are broken between sons and daughters and parents? Yeah. You know, and I know you, you do. I think you do a great job with your parents. I talk to my dad on the phone. You know, I, I think we need to do our part. Right. Yeah. So so I'm only sharing this, Ryan, because how cool is this? If we can't get if we can't make our way to God and we can't get rid of our secret sins, we're stuck. Yeah. Are you going to really experience holiness? Yeah. Are you going to really experience loving your mom and dad, even though they say things they don't believe like you believe? Yeah. They think you're a little loco. Yeah. <laughs> Right? I mean, I am a little But think local. about it, right? Yeah, but guess what else? Instead of worrying about my secret sin, and, and if I'm even walking with God, or, or if I'm making my way to God, look what it says here. Th keep the Lord's Sabbaths. Do not make or have idols. I mean, you just said it. 
these are things that we can develop and mature in, Ryan. Absolutely. And we can get to this level. You know, it's like the levels of your brain. There's like four levels. Yeah. You know, to overcome addiction is the bottom. It's the basement of right. your brain. So if you can't overcome addictions, you're at the base level. But once you overcome addiction, like I did alcohol, I want to take, you know, they say that the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. But that's what we want. That's really where the joy is. How could these people in the Bible experience such calamities and trouble and have this joy from the Lord? How could you drop, you know, Paul into the cistern or whatever? Oh, gosh. And he's talking about joy. He really had it. Uh, yeah. And, and let's, a couple things here, right? So first off, um, you know, honoring your mother and father, many people have very tough, broken relationships and sometimes for good reason because of abuse or, or things like that. Um, and there's, you know, I was very fortunate. My family, you know, they're not perfect, but I have awesome mom and dad. Um, I have uh, an awesome brother. I have a great family that uh, was is always there, always been tight knit and all that. So that's great. And kind of set me up with a foundation to spring off of to where, you know, I, I am where I am today, which is great. Um, you know, God is talking here about being holy and being holy is not about pointing the finger at other people, even if it's your mom and dad. Being holy is about pointing the finger back at yourself and saying, right. I, through partnership with God, I want to be righteous. Um, you know, so many times we celebrate the, the sinner saved by grace and praise God for God's grace. But the point is for us to, to not make grace abound through sin, right? We don't want to go on sinning. We want to be uh, pillars of righteousness in our communities and in our families to show people that, hey, there's a better way. If we do it God's way, it's a better, it's a better way. Um, and then, you know what that does? It gives us an abundance. It gives us, you know, we're keeping the Sabbath. We don't have idols. And now we have enough to where we can bring even a peace offering given of yeah, our own free that. will. Um, that, you know, verse 19.5 here talks about peace offerings. It says, and if ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it of your own will. That's the only offering you get to eat, Ryan. <coughs> it's like, look what the Lord has done for me. I, you know, the burnt offering, the meal offering. Boom, here comes this peace offering. Right. And it says, The peace offering had to be eaten on the first or second day. It was abominable to eat it on the third day and had to be burnt in the fire. Anyone eating it on the third day would be cut off from among his people. Look, this is just basic hygiene here, right? Peace you slaughter offering, the animal. Yeah. You, you can eat it the first or the second day. Anything left over, it's got to go. Because they didn't exactly have a refrigerator or a freezer back then, right? Um, uh, also, the um, the... The, we're talking about being holy and set apart. What is it that the children of Israel do different than other other people? Well, they leave the corners of their field. Verse 19.9 says, You don't wholly reap the whole field. You leave the corners. Why? Because then the poor and the needy can come and they can glean off of your field. It's almost like on Havdalah, right? You pour the cup into the, or the juice into the cup and it overflows. What you get is what's inside the cup. And what overflows from there you know, is what you give to Let me tell you something, Ryan. I personally don't believe in cutting corners. Did you did you get that? I did. No, I did. but I check this you. out, Ryan. I can't tell you guys how important Leviticus is. Why? Because I want to put myself in a position to be a blessing. Yeah, amen. You know, we basically have a television studio at Bay Tehila. We could go anywhere in the world and film and have audio with Pastor Russell and the media department. And we could literally have our own television show right here in this church. Oh, yeah. That's how blessed we are. So we're able to, to help people do videos and different things. Why? Because it's like a peace offering. God has blessed us, given us so much. We can share, Amen. we can do things, we can help. And how, how awesome is that when people say, why did you do that for me? Because God loves you. And as we are a blessing, we can give this blessing to others. So, so continue on, Ryan, because I know this is, this is a lot. Oh, Shoo! absolutely. And so uh, through this, the Lord commands some form of provision for the poor and the stranger. Um, and in verse 19, uh, verse 10, it says, and thou shalt not glean thine vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. It's just saying, Hey, look, you, I've given you all this abundance. <laughs> I gave you more than enough. Leave some for the poor. It's a real lifestyle, isn't it? Thinking about the poor. It absolutely Yeshua is. was carrying the cross. He says the poor you'll always have. He sure does. So um, the book of Ruth is read on the Feast of Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Ruth was a reaper or a gleaner. Um, Her name means friend. Oh, The Moabite, the great Moabite. I like that. Baby Ruth, Ruth, baby Ruth. Anyways, so... <laughs> wow. I want a candy bar now. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, anyway, so, she, you know, it's funny, too, because I was just talking about this uh, the other day with my mother-in-law, 
about Ruth and the the different pieces. You know, when you harvest, you have the first fruit, you have the harvest itself, and then you have what you leave over for the gleaning um, for the gleaners. And there's there's three parts. And God does a lot of things in threes, right? You know, holy and divine and of the Lord um, being those things. So um, let's keep moving on. It says it's here, all about integrity and character. It's almost like he's developing a lifestyle for us. Right. That it isn't just a one-shot deal, one-trick pony. It's, it's actually a lifestyle. Right. It also uh, talks about, because we're talking about harvesting and, and those things, it's talking about being holy and set apart. So it's setting some standards for how we conduct ourselves as believers, as the, the, the righteous ones among the nations. And it, it talks about it's not okay to defraud your neighbors um, or, or take their wages. So somebody comes over and they help, and you're supposed to give them something. Don't defraud them of their wages. Um, and, and in doing so, you'll be able to judge... Um, your neighbor in righteousness, because if you're working in righteousness, then you'll be able to be a righteous judge. It says here in verse 15, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. So in other words, you don't want to be swayed by, ooh, this person's rich, this person's poor. Let me go ahead and cast harsh judgments, throw the book at this person who's poor, but yet let the person who has a lot of money off the hook. And how much and, and do we see that? your neighbors, those that are near. It's not just your next door neighbor. Right, right, right. It's, it's those people that are near you in your life, you know. And of course, it goes on to say in Leviticus 19, 16, thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Ooh, uh, be a boy, gossip. That, the connotation of that could be a little, it could be Lashon Hara, gossip, slander. But once again, you know, I always say this. If you're talking about somebody, it, it means that you, you're trying to help them or you want to you wanna come up with a plan. Yeah. It's not just belittling people and talking down on them, you know. That's why I don't, I don't like that style. I, I like, hey, if, if something comes up, a person comes up, and, and someone starts to talk about something, and say, well, hey, you're talking about that person. How are you going to help them? Well, and if you're that person that always has all the good gossip <coughs> and the info, and people come to you to get the, the, the skinny, the, 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 you know, the info or whatever, you need to pray because right here the Torah is talking, hey, that's not good. Don't be a busybody. Don't be a gossip. No, no, it's like anything, you know, like, like sometimes on social media, they'll have so many celebrities have, have died or something, and they're still alive. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a tale bearer. And of course, uh, it goes on to talk about don't hate your brother in your heart, you know, work it out. You know, I've learned that uh, when people rub me the wrong way or whatever, I'm, I think about, hey, you know what? I got to let them work out their salvation, too. They have to work things out, too. You know, as I work things out, they have to work things out. And it goes on to say, don't avenge or hold a grudge against your brother. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, how do you know if you've dealt with an offense or not? Uh, that's a great question. How, how do you know if you've dealt with offense or not? You're able to worship God next to that person. So, you know, not say that you have to trust everyone, but you should be able to get along. If it be possible, be at peace with all men. Uh, it goes on to say, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Leviticus nineteen eighteen. You know, some people, Ryan, have low self-esteem. And they don't, they don't love themselves, but we, we have to learn uh, to love ourselves. Matter of fact, the first person we lead is ourself, uh, but we, we should love our neighbor as, our, as thyself. I feel what, like I've heard this from somewhere you before. Know, <laughs> I like what, what, I think the com- complete Jewish Bible says something along the lines of this, this, this version. Do unto others as you would like for them to do unto you. Right. So let's just say, well, they're not going to do that for you. Well, you continue to do it for them. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I like that. Mm-hmm. As you would like for them to do to you, you do for them. And I think it's important, you know. It, it's kind of interesting, you know. If I have a Sam's Choice Cola in my fridge and a guest comes and there's a Coca-Cola next to it, mm. I should drink the Sam's mm-hmm. and give the other person the Coca-Cola, the mm-hmm. real thing. Mm-hmm. Just a little example. You know, what would you want? How would you want it? You know, uh, it, it's like discovering something, you know. In the fridge, sometimes I find little treats, and then I, I give it out to my children. Oh, look, a cheese stick or something, you know? And, and, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do something kind, because this is what I would want for myself. Uh, it goes on to talk about um, uh, not to mingle seeds when sowing in the fields. Don't mingle seeds. W- what's your take on that, Ryan? you got a little farm. I do. It talks about not mingling s- seeds when you're sowing in the field. And this is interesting because there's a lot of YouTube videos. You want to read Leviticus 19.19? Because I think there's a, a double whammy there in reference to mixing and everything. Yeah, no, this is, this is, a, this is a commingling uh, concept. So it says, Ye shall keep my statutes, and thou shalt not let thy cattle uh, gender with an adverse kind. 
Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed, neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. So it's interesting how we're talking about not mixing unlike kinds. So I'm specifically talking about you know wool and and uh, and cotton here, or wool and linen, I should say, um, and you know sowing two types of seeds in the field, or or mating your your cows or your cattle, your livestock with other kinds. What about the scientific field mixing the DNA? Uh, this is public records, by the way. That I think that's dangerous. I want to say it's not kosher, for sure. They're they're mixing the DNA of plants and animals, animals and plants. I've in always labs. asked. You could study this for yourself. This is public records. This is crazy. One of the things they did is they took the DNA from jellyfish and and, and put it into the, the pigs, and their snouts would glow in the dark. Oh yeah. There's just different things that are just off the wall. You know, I want to jump back for two seconds here, back to verse 18, because it says, but thou Boy, shalt... we've got a lot to cover. I know, but you know what? How do you pass up the greatest commandments, you know? No, that's true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just it just is what it is. So um, here in chapter 12 of the Gospel of Mark, um, there's this question, right? It says, and the scribes came, this is verse 28. It says, and the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him... Which is the first of uh, commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And second is like, namely, this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So here's what's interesting. All throughout this, and I was listening to a teaching the other day, and, and, and then I looked it up in the Hebrew and confirmed it. Um, you have these two words, hokim or chokim, right? With the chich in it, chuka being the, the, the singular and a chokim being the plural. And mishpat or mishpatim. Um, you have uh, lots of times to say statues and judgments, you know, statutes and ordinances, or anyways, they, 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 in English, they, they interchange this. But the concept for chokim was that these are the, the laws that pertain to the way we relate to God. And then mishpatim were laws about the way we relate to one another. It's the two categories, hokim, mishpatim. Love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does Yeshua do? He just comes and confirms what God has already said all throughout the Torah. And yet, somehow, this is like this brand new concept, you know? Listen, folks, he wrote the Torah. There's just no reason why he would not be you know, uh, c- revealing concepts in a more articulate way of, of anything else than the Torah that he already gave. Amen? God wow. doesn't change. That's so, awesome. So when the children of Israel were to go into the land and plant all manner of fruit trees in the first three years, uh, they were considered, um, they were considered uh, uncircumcised. And the fourth year, the fruit would be holy. And so that was usually a gift uh, to the temple. So in the fifth year, you could eat the fruit trees that... Three, four, five. Planted. Boom. That's right. Boom. The fifth year. Now, does the Lord speak against... Uh, oh, we're moving on. So does the Lord speak against the use of enchantment or divination? Yes. Oh, he sure the occult. does. He sure does. Remember, the occult is the absence of God. The occult is the absence of atonement. You know, when you practice the occult or the enchantments, Ryan, you're God. Everything comes from you. It channels from you out. And so that's what's really sad about the occult and divination. There isn't no, there's no atonement. See, there's no redemption for the fallen angels and for Satan. There's no forgiveness. There's no, there's no atonement. The atonement, the salvation, the redemption, Ryan, is only for the human race that God created in his image. Yep. How awesome is that? And see, hell was created for Satan and his fallen angels, but men choose to go there, Ryan. Men choose to go there. So there's the, the enchantment. So that's right. continue on. These, these are things we want to observe. That's right. So I'm going to read verse 28 just so you can hear it from the horse's mouth. It says, Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. All right? Second half, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Basically, this is a prohibition against getting tattoos. Here it is in Leviticus. I didn't say it. God said it. It is what it is. If you already have a tattoo, praise God that you are redeemed by the blood of Yeshua. But those of you that are getting tattoos uh, now that you are redeemed, just remember, here it is in Leviticus, don't do it. Um, verse 31 says, The Lord forbids anyone from having uh, familiar spirits or seeking after wizards. Maybe it's another spirit that gets, gets you to get a tattoo. 
Yeah, you know, my dad always said don't get tattoos because they can track you that way. And I was like, eh, it sounds legit, you know. Well, what if you didn't like it after a period of time where it starts to fade? Uh, or you got somebody's name that you're not associated We're with We're not anymore. even going to go there. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's not go there. So the Lord required those to rise up before the hoary head, which is the gray hair, and honor the face of the old man. Respect your elders. That's right. Respect, Respect our elders. Your elders. Come on, somebody. And verses 33 and 34. Pastor Nick, you want to read? Oh, you got Ryan's going to let me read, everyone. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> he taught me My well. heart's racing. <laughs> Listen, and if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, you shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Mm. Be kind to strangers. That's right. Be kind to strangers. We were strangers in the land of Egypt. This is, it talks about, you know, taking care of the poor and the stranger. Here it says, be kind to strangers. And then, of course, did the Lord want just balances and weights? I think he did. Yes. Yes. So that's, wow, that's, that's chapter 19. We're, we're walking with God. And so now we get into what? Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Uh, the penalties for sin. I'm going to let Ryan take that over. Uh, once again, these are some commandments. These are some incredible, yep. incredible insight, Ryan. Boy, well, I tell you, wow. And, and we're going to run through these kind of quick. We're running low on time here. Um, I know that you guys are just tantalized right now. Check it out for yourself. But yeah, but, but yeah, go back and read chapter 20. So anyone who gave their seed to Molech would be put to death with stoning. So don't pass, you know, don't sacrifice your children. Carry a child for nine months, give birth to it, and send it through the God of Molech, which is a... Yuck. A, a incredible fire. All right. So are the children of Israel to sanctify themselves and be holy? Yes. And verse uh, 9 of chapter 20 says, For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. And if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, they shall both be put to death. The Lord forbids homosexuality. The Lord forbids incest. The Lord forbids intimacy with a woman having her sickness or her monthly period. And the punishment was to be cut off from among your people. Wow. Listen, how relevant is that? Listen, if you're among those um, who have committed these sins in the past, let the past be in the past. <coughs> and let Yeshua's blood do its work. Turn away from your sin. Make a true repentance and move forward. Amen. Verse 23 says this. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nation, which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred him. He Walking with them. God, folks. We're walking with God. God hates sin. Amen. What two things would be, uh, would be uh, found to... Fl- what would... <laughs> what two things would the land flow with? Your two favorite things, huh? Milk and honey. Mm-hmm. See, I put half and half in my coffee, yeah. and I have honey... Of course, uh, in my tea at night. Uh, well, there you go. I'm so happy for you. That, so, see, it's relevant. It Ryan. is relevant for today. So the Lord clearly states that He has separated the children of Israel from other people. What does that look like today? Beit Tehillah. Praise God. Beit Tehillah. Christians with Torah. And it's not that we're any better than anybody else. It's just we have chosen this 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 walk that we're that we're walking with Amen. God. And it's our faith Amen. to believe in Shabbat. It's our faith to believe that God has told us what to eat, what not to eat. It's our faith that the Torah portions are, are relevant for today, you know. And, and so once again, uh, it's not that we're, you know, any better. We just have, had made some choices in God's word that we truly want to live by. That's right. And I'll tell you what, these things are the signs of the covenant with God, right? So in other words, you could wear something that says, hey, I'm a Christian. You could get a t-shirt with a big cross on it and says like, Jesus is my homeboy or whatever that people wear. You could get a WWJD bracelet. You could wear a a necklace that has the messianic symbol on it. You could do all kinds. You could wear a kippah. You could wear a tallit. You could wear tzitzit. You can do all kinds of things to physically show that you are a follower of the Most High God. But there is no thing bigger and better and more important than the testimony of how you live your life. That's your right. Your walk is more important. And that's... The blood of the Lamb and the words of your testimony. Amen. That's how you overcome the wicked one. And so the Lord clearly states that He separated the children of Israel. But how? Through the Torah. That they keep the Torah. They're different. They do things different. They're, a, they're, they're walking in a manner that God has put forth, which is obviously a better, higher manner. And so the Lord wants to distinguish between what is clean and what is unclean. And the Lord wants us to be holy 
and he has severed us from other people. And anyone that had a familiar spirit or who is uh, a wizard would be put to death. And so that's how we So what it. keeps us from holiness, Ryan? Uncleanness. What keeps us from holiness? A familiar spirit. Mm-hmm. What keeps us from holiness? The occult. Mm-hmm. Dabbling in the occult, whatever Immorality. it is. Immorality. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that you can see the clear distinction. He said severed. Yeah. You ever just cut something and a little piece of it hangs on? You've not severed it. No. He, he literally means severed. Yeah. No, he does. He absolutely does. And so... Um, man, wow, what awesome tour portions this is. We're going to use this last minute that we don't even have uh, to count. We're going to borrow it from next the week. Omer. How ex- guys, counting the Omer, what a blessing it is. If you guys know what the Omer is, I talked about it at the end of um, what two teachings ago, I believe. And so we're going to go ahead and count the Omer right now. We're going to say the blessing. Here we go. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Asher Kitchenu B'Mitzvotav Vitzivanu Al Sifarat Ha Omer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the Universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and gives us the command to count the Omer. Today is 17 days, which is two weeks and three days of the counting of the Omer. Man, just like that, we are setting ourselves apart. We are making ourselves more holy than we were before. Why? Because this is what God has prescribed, and we're just simply following it. Man, I'll tell you what, it's too easy, folks. It's too easy to do this. Why don't I mean, we give a shout out to Audrey and Bradenton, one of our... Pillars in the community, Audrey. She is awesome. We love you, Audrey. We love you, Audrey. Thank you guys for listening. Wow. Bless you guys. As always, you can reach out to me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Ryan at twopraise.net. And uh, I know we went over by a couple minutes today, uh, so I'm going to end it here. But um, bless you guys. Make sure you live stream our services on Saturdays. Uh, we're doing putting a lot of work in pre-recording these, making them, you know, exciting for you and your family to be able to participate. My family and I, we do it in our living room. I get it up on the big TV so we can all see it. We dance in the living room. We do all that stuff. It's a lot of fun. So uh, God bless you guys. Have a great week.